to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. Today, we we start off with the empty tomb, and, and we know that. Easter is not a very difficult message to to talk about. It's not a it's not about the bunnies as we've talked about and joked about too. You know, it's not Veggie Tales. The bunny, the bunny. Oh, I love the bunny. You know, um, I love Cadbury eggs. We were talking about that this morning. You know, I don't really like the bunny that much. I like Cadbury eggs. So Easter is not it's not a difficult time to come together. It's kind of like Christmas. Everybody kind of knows you know the Christmas message. Some of it's off a little bit just because of traditions, but we all kind of know what's supposed to happen that day, right? And we, we know on Easter what's supposed to kind of happen today, correct? So it's not a surprise when we come in here and, and we, we are excited about the empty tomb. But just again, as, a, as we've reflected this week, as you've gotten texts from, from myself about just kind of bringing us through the week, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, Good Friday, we did a Thursday and Friday message of, of what Christ went through in those 36 hours or so of just the craziness and the emotions and, and just the, the, just all the different players between the disciples not really knowing what to do and not listening and, 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 and Jesus and just the, the incredible stress and the pressure that he was under and, and then the, the pain that he went through. And we talked about Pilate and we talked about the high priests and all those different players that were involved in all of that. We come off of Saturday, and Saturday was the Sabbath, so so not a lot happening on the Sabbath. You're not allowed to work on the Sabbath. I'm sure there was a lot of them that were just, the disciples were just scared. The disciples were just nervous. I mean, are they going to come after me now? Am I the next? What are we supposed to do? I mean, what did you see that? Jesus, our king, he's dead. Just to, again, just all the different emotions that they're going through, and are we supposed to run? I mean, what are, what are we supposed to do at this moment? They're locked behind doors, and, and and all these things are going on. They just they don't know what to do anymore. We move into Luke chapter twenty-four, verse one, and it says, "Now on the first day of the week, early in the morning, they and certain other women with them came to the tomb, bringing the spices and which they had prepared." But they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. And then when they went in and did not find the body of, of the Lord Jesus, and it happened as they were greatly perplexed by about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Then as they were afraid and, and bowed their faces to the earth, that they said to them, Why, why do you seek the, the living among the dead? He is not here, but he's risen. Remember how he spoke to you and when he was still in Galilee? saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, and and he be crucified on the third day and rise again? And they remembered his words. And and then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven, those are the disciples, and to all the rest that were there. And it was Mary Magdalene and and Joanna and Mary the mother of of James and the other women with them and who told these things to the apostles. And the words seemed like idle tales, and, and they did not believe them. But Peter arose and ran to the tomb, 
And stooping down, he saw the linen clothes lying by themselves, and he departed, marveling to himself at what had just happened. And we pick it up here is 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 they're they're heading off, and after a restful Sabbath day, the the ladies are up early in the morning. And as we read here, it says, "Now on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they these these ladies." Um, and certain other women came with them to bring in the, the, the spices that they had prepared. Now you can look at this two different ways. You can look at this as maybe they're coming to finish the job. Maybe there was a, some believe that maybe there was a rush to job to get Jesus taken care of on, cause the Sabbath was coming. They've got to get him in there and they, all the spices are coming there. And, and, and that could be it. I don't think that because I think it was their Lord. I think that they did everything properly to Jesus that needed to be done. That's just my belief. I'm not standing on a, on a hill on it. Uh, another commentator said that maybe they're bringing scents and, and spices to kind of, because the, the tomb really is not sealed. And so after a certain amount of time, certain things happen when, when bodies decompose and it smells. And so that maybe they're bringing extra spices to kind of help to, to cover some of that. Regardless of whatever you want to think, I think it's interesting to me, again, that you've got women that are coming first to the scene. Now, in that time, if you were going to to have something that you wanted to document that that this was a real event that happened, you would probably want to have either a priest or you'd want to have men that were there because their testimony would be believed. See, at this time, women's testimony really wasn't of value. There was nothing that that anybody believed. It It was just a woman. She doesn't really have value. We really can't believe her testimony. Again, the beautiful thing about the Bible is that the truth in this is is reported. It's the women that went there first. The women that just love Jesus and they're, they don't know what to do, but what we're going to do is I'm going to honor my Lord and I'm going to show up and I'm going to take care of him. And I'm going to take this time and I'm going to get there. And, and when they get there, they're, they, they found this, 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 the, the stone is rolled away from the tomb. We read in another version, it says that there was an earthquake and, and the, 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 the stone was moved away from there and, and, and they're just, they're just in awe. Oh, who moved this, this stone? See, the, the ladies couldn't move it. They, and actually, one part they were saying like, man, who's going to help us to move this, this, this stone out of the way? And when they get there, it's moved. Well, now they're a little nervous and they, they walk up there and they, they, they look inside. And I think this is very brave for the women to do. I mean, you, if, you, if I walked up to a tomb, I'm just telling you right now, and the stone has moved away, I don't think I'm looking inside. I'm like, ah, I'm going to wait for somebody else to get here first and take a peek inside to see what's going on. I don't believe in ghosts, but I don't know what moved that thing either. Okay, so I'm just saying I just not I'm just not sure what's going to happen. But these brave women, they take a look, and again, as they look inside here, again, tradition and and pictures. You'll see pictures all over the place of this big, massive tomb. You know, they walk in all standing up, and it's you walk in, and it's it's a huge bedroom, basically, is what it is, and and it's not like that. You know, I mean, at the time, it was very costly. You know, they just, they were, they didn't just have caves all over the place that they did this. They would go and they would, they would knock it out. They would take out the rock to make a place for somebody to be buried. So again, this is something that, that you had to be very rich or very, have lots of money to be able to afford to have somebody to, to hone out all that stone to go in there. So they're not going to make something that's six foot two to be able to walk in there and to take a look around. And there's this nice little bed, you know, of stone that's over there. And Jesus is just, you know, it, it's not like that, like we see. So they probably had to, to lean over and to, to go inside. And then they're just amazed as they look inside and, and when they look in, they, they try to find the body of Jesus and, 
And it happened, as we move into four, it says, And it happened as, as they were greatly perplexed about this, that behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. Again, I probably would have ran out at that moment or, or been a little bit more nervous than they were. And, and then as they spake to them, they say, Then as they were afraid and, and bowed their faces to the earth, they, they bowed down and they said to them, well, Why do you seek the living among the dead? I think too many times we do the same thing too. We, we seek the living among the dead. And this why here is, is an astonishing. The, 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 the angels here, are, this why is, it's an astonishment to them of well, why are you looking for somebody who's alive among the dead? See, I think the angels look at us sometimes and they're just like, oh, God, what are you doing here? I mean, these, these people that you've created, these people that you love are just not really smart at times. I mean, were they not listening to, to all the different things that you've said? And, 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 and I just, I don't understand what, I'm looking at you guys and I'm just astonished. Why, why are you here? And you say, well, Kevin, that's really not fair. I mean, they're, they're there trying to do a good deed and they're, they're trying to love on Jesus. And, and they go on and the, the angel say, he says, he is not here, but he's risen. And that's the glorious thing for us today. And then they remind him, he says, remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee? saying that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and he'd be crucified and, and on the third day raised again. You say, well, where was it? Well, it's, it's in Mark 9.22 and it's in Mark 18.31 and, and Jesus telling them, look, I, I'm just letting you guys know this is what's going to happen. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to die. But the good news is I'm going to rise again. And so Jesus is, is laying this out to them and Probably the same thing with us. I mean, the Lord speaks to us so many times and, and, and there's so many things going on in your life and it's just crazy and, you know, you've got kids and you've got a job or you've got this going on or that person going on and, and just, just life, the things of life, right? They just kind of get crazy. And the disciples are just on a roller coaster of life as they go through things and man, they're just trying to hold on. I mean, these last three years or so have been absolutely crazy. I mean, we've got this guy who just says, hey, drop your nets and follow me. And we're like, all right, let's go. And then from there on, man, it is like, it's unbelievable. You know, as we talked about Friday, Jesus just just healing people and just and just ministering to people and the way that he knows the scripture. How is that possible? And and as he as he goes up against the, the high priest and the, all the priests and the Pharisees and man, he is just he just he gets a man. And it just, you know, it's just as guys they are just going through life. And as Jesus speaks to them again and says, look, this is what's going to happen. You know, probably I would have done the same thing. I can't say that my ears would have picked up on everything that Jesus said. I, I would have desired to, but it doesn't happen today. It doesn't happen today. And I have the Holy Spirit that's inside of me. I have the word of God that I get to read. And there's still times where I just don't get it. That the angels look down and they're like, Kevin, do, or do you listen at all? Do you pay attention at all? Well, the cool thing here is that as they say this to the ladies, it says in verse 8, it says, and they remembered his words like, oy vey, I remember what he said. Oh my goodness. And and then they returned from the tomb and told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. So they remember these things. The ladies see this and they run back and they go, guys, listen, eleven disciples, come on, come on, listen. Man, he's He's risen. Do you not remember all the things that he told us? And, and they start laying it out and they start talking to him and they start pouring out everything that happened. And then, you know, it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and, and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. 
like any good self-respecting man, and they don't believe him. <laughs> They're like, whatever, those are, it's just a fairy tale. I, I don't believe it. It's like tales. I, I, you ladies are just, you're, you're crazy. You're just nuts. You're not, you're not all there. And it says that Peter runs back to the tomb. Actually, in John, it says Peter and John, because John brags that he beat Peter there, but that's beside the point, you know. I mean, it wasn't a competition, but if it was, John would have won. So they run back there, and, and, and Peter notices that the wrappings are there. There's no body. He can't believe this. The ladies were, they were correct. They were right. Peter rose and ran out to the tomb and stooping down, he lay, saw the linen clothes lying on themselves and he departed marveling to himself at what had happened. John 29 through 10 says, for as they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise again from the dead. So the disciples went away again to their homes. So again, as the angels remind them the things that happened, they get there and then they still don't put it all together. They don't understand it. They they, they go back to their homes. And, and to me, again, I, I, I look at this and I, I don't understand how men who saw everything that Jesus did, who, who claimed that he was going to raise again in three days, they go to his empty tomb. They see linens there, not ripped apart. You know, it was not some mummy that, you know, you see in the movies, just ripping those linens off and they're, they're all over the place. They're scattered. They're folded nicely. I mean, Jesus, Jesus didn't struggle. I mean, God raised him from the dead. And those, those linens are laying there. And as you would think as they walked in there and they looked, that they would have gotten it at that moment. It says they went home again to their homes. So my question is, is that, is there anyone like that here today? That maybe, maybe we, as we've come here this morning and, and we've sang wonderful worship songs, they've done a great job and, and, and we've, we've singing praise to God and we're so thankful for all that God has done for us. We, we saw Friday night of just the, 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 the beatings that he took and the, the fact that he was willing to go to the cross and that he willingly gave his spirit up. Remember that? He gave his spirit up. It wasn't taken from him. Jesus gave his spirit up. And then three days later, they come to the tomb and you would think at some point we would get it as well. But I think at times that we don't. I think today there's probably some in here that maybe just haven't gotten it all together yet. So why is there an empty tomb? One person said a a dead savior cannot save. But we have a living Savior who justifies us and makes intercession for us. See, if, if Jesus is still laying there, and then, then he's a dead Savior. Well, guess what? If he can't save himself as they were yelling at him on the cross, save yourself. Well, if he's still there, guess what? He can't save us, correct? If he can't save us and rise up, then he can't make intercession for us. He can't go to the Father and say, look, this one's mine. And Kevin's mine. And God, they will bring him on in, you know. He's, he's, he's forgiven of his sins. Why? I, I, I died for it. We'll bring him on inside. Hebrews 7.25 says, Therefore he, Christ, is able also to save him forever, those who draw near to God through him, since he always lives to make intercession for them. See, the beautiful thing about Christ is that now that he is risen from the dead, he lives forever. 
So there's not like a there's not like a, a warranty on this where man you better get saved within the first 300 years because then otherwise Christ is dead at that moment you know and then you know it's, it's done you know you don't get a chance anymore you know Jesus says I, I've risen and I've taken my proper spot next to God and and I will sit next to Him on the throne. And then as you come forward, I forever get to make intercession for those that come that are mine. This is not for anybody. It's not for anybody that's out there that just says, oh, yeah, I'm going to get saved. Well, how? How are you going to get saved? Well, I was a good person. Doesn't qualify. You know, next. And it, it has to be the fact that there was only one qualified. Correct. I mean, if we agree on that part, part today, as we've gone through Holy Week and as we've seen Jesus and we see in Scripture that he lived a sinless life. Has anybody else done that there here this morning? Okay, so we're not qualified to do it. So only Jesus was able to, as a sinless life, to, to go to the cross at that moment. Well, you we say, well, why did he have to do that? Why, why was there have to be blood? Well, it goes back to the fact that, that God can't be around sin. It's just it's that simple. I mean, it makes sense, right? He's he's perfect, he's holy, and he's pure. And he's like, I just can't be around it. Not that I don't love you, I do. But man, if I'm around it, you're gone. You just have to be. I just can't be around that kind of stuff. So then he tells the, the Israelites, look, look, we're going to do something. We're going to we're make a, just an offering, all right? And you're going to have some blood. But what it's going to do is it's just going to cover the sin. So at least I just don't have to see it, okay? So I really want to have fellowship with, with Dick Otto this morning. But you know what? I just see the sin there. So at least if we have some kind of covering there, whew, you know, I can I can put up with Dick now, okay? I mean, I love him. I just, I, I can, I, I don't have to see it, though. I don't have to see the sin. Well, see, that didn't get us to heaven, though. It's just like a, a band-aid on the, uh, over covering it. But what we needed, we needed a savior. We needed somebody to come and to be able to completely wipe those sins away. You know, so uh, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory. I mean, everybody has. Billy Graham sinned. I mean, you can go down the list of all. Paul sinned. I mean, you just go down the list. Paul says, I was the chief of sinners. It was me. Which I think is amazing because I know my life and I'm like, dude, what did you do? I mean, I didn't murder people and beat people. I mean, I guess he's worse than me, but... You know, I mean, if you put it in that context, you know, he was a pretty bad guy, but, but I'm pretty bad on my own. You know, I mean, I'm pretty bad. You know, just ask my family. I mean, I'm bad. Uh, I'm not Michael Jackson, I'm bad. I'm just saying I'm, I'm bad, you know. So. But I needed somebody to come in and completely wash away those sins so that I was clean and that I was righteous. And not righteous for my own sake, not righteous so that Kevin could come up here and say, I'm righteous. Ha, it's me. Because then it's still about me. Well, see, it has nothing to do with me. See, the incredible thing about our lives is, the, the honest thing is, is even if Jesus didn't come, even if Jesus didn't come to this, this earth, he didn't live a sinless life and he didn't die for our sins, guess what we should still do? We should still live a life honoring and to worship God. Because he's the one who gave us life. He's the one who gave us breath. He's the one who provided everything that we have. And even if he said, you know what? I'm not giving you heaven. We should still honor him and worship him. But God is not that kind of a God. God loved us so much. He said, no, I I, I don't want that. I want to create you. And then I want to spend all of eternity with you. I want to spend time with you. I want to fellowship with you. And the beautiful thing about God is that he didn't just stop at that. He could have just said, you know what? Salvation. And like I've said before, I'm like, woo, I'm in the door. I'm good at that moment. Okay. But God said, no, I love you so much that I'm even going to be part of your everyday life. 
I'm just going to be active in it. I'm going to give you, I'm, Jesus said, I got to go because man, I want to send them something better for you. And it's, it's the other part of God. It's the Holy Spirit. He says, you know, so if you accept me as your savior, you get the Holy Spirit and we're going to walk with you every single day. And so as you go through trials and tribulations, as we talked about in James, man, you're going to be able to count them joy. Why? Because I'm walking with you. God makes that promise. He says, it doesn't stop today. Now I'm going to give you heaven. Yes. I'm going to give you the faith to believe in me for heaven. How about that? Because you can't even do it on your own. Is that a miracle? I mean, so he provides faith, heaven, and then he provides the faith to be able to accept it. I mean, it's just unbelievable. It's like it's like winning the lottery every single day of your life. But it's even greater than that. Because then as you go through those trials and tribulations, God just continues to walk with you. And he continues to correct you lovingly. Sometimes it's a little harder than others because some of us are a little harder than others. But then remember we talked about in James 2 that it's just that grace that is just unstopping unstoppable grace. He just, he just continues to pour it on your life. Well, Kevin, it sounds like, man, Christians just, they just live perfectly every day that they don't have to go through anything. No, no, that's not it. It's not it at all. Because again, it, it's not about me. I'm, I'm not, if you know me, I don't live on Siesta Key. I don't have a boat and Ferrari. I mean, it's not like we just get stuff. I've gotten grace. I told you, I don't need anything other than that. Because Galatians 2.20, it says, it's not my life that I live anymore. It's, it's, it's Christ I live for. I don't live for myself anymore. And that's the point that we have to get to in life is that it's no longer me. So as I've, I've accepted Christ, well, then the only thing that I can possibly give God back is what? It is my life. So I say, God, you know what? It's not about me anymore. And I just, I just, here it is. Here's my life. What do you want to do? You want me to, to go and do something for you in Africa, or I don't know why it's always Africa, but, you know, or America, or my neighbor, or across town. Or what is it you want me to do? You want me to lay my life down for you today? He says, well, in, in Romans, Paul says, I, I want to be, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I think so many times, I think to die would be easy, would it not? I died for Christ, and you just, cause why? You're going to heaven. So it's not really like, uh, oh, I'm giving something up. I'm going to heaven, you know? But, but he says, is, there is to be a living sacrifice? Isn't that harder? So every single day, I've got to wake up and die to myself. I've got to wake up and die to myself again. Sometimes, for some of us, it's, it's every like five minutes. I've got to die for myself again. I've got to die for myself again. Why? Because, again, it's not about me anymore. It's about God. It's the fact that we looked back on Friday and we saw Good Friday and Jesus dying on the cross and Him willingly giving up His Spirit. We have to do the same thing. We have to willingly give up our spirit and say, Lord, You are my God and, and I'll do whatever You call me to do. Sad thing I read on... And this morning, and, and fortunately, the times that we live in, before I teach <coughs> that morning, I always look on Fox or CNN to see what has happened in the world today because that's just the society we live in. And there's over 200 people that died today in Sri Lanka with bombs. As they were going to an Easter service, at least eight bombings happened. And just brothers and sisters, just like us, our brothers and sisters that someday we will see in heaven, that died today as martyrs for the kingdom. That they weren't planning on being a martyr today. They were just coming like us, saying, man, I just love Jesus. It's an empty tomb. He's risen. And they come to church and they're just so excited. And can you believe it? Jesus is risen. 
And then boom. And then mass chaos starts. And some are immediately in heaven. You know, from absent, to be absent from the bodies, to be present with the Lord. They're in heaven. Woo! Wow, what a, this is the Easter, right? This is a great Easter service, man. I'm in heaven. But you've got the rest that are there that are picking up the glass and the, the woods everywhere and the buildings are everywhere and they've got their loved ones that are laying there that they miss. Are you willing to be a living sacrifice for God? See, we come today and I'm not trying to bring it down. I'll bring it back up in a little bit. It's just the fact of, of there's an empty tomb here today and there's a decision that we all have to make of, well, why is there the empty tomb? Am I willing to follow that empty tomb? When, when others come and, 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 and challenge me on that, it says in First Peter to be prepared every day to give a defense for the Lord. Are you ready every day to give a defense for why you believe in Christ? And Christ is our intercessor. Well, what does it matter, Kevin? Well, First Corinthians fifteen seventeen says, and, and if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. So again, if Christ is not risen, we talked about that. A, a dead Savior cannot save, correct? So if he hasn't risen, then guess what? The reality is that I'm still a sinner. I've got my sins all over me. And I'm just yucky and disgusting. And in God's presence, I smell and I, I just, he can't look at me. David Guzik says, it says, if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then death has power over him and defeated him. If death has power over Jesus, well, he is not God then, right? If Jesus is not God, he cannot offer a complete sacrifice for our sins. And if Jesus cannot offer a complete sacrifice for our sins, our sins are not completely paid for by God. And if my sins are not completely paid for before God, I'm still in my sins. Well, therefore, if Jesus is not risen, he is unable to save. So why is there an empty tomb? It's that. It's so that I can be saved. It's so that you can be saved. It's so that we can be washed from our sins completely forever. That's the purpose of the empty tomb. That's what the disciples, that's what the, the followers didn't kind of grasp at that moment. Obviously, they will hear in a couple chapters. They will gather all that together and they will have a clear understanding of it and they will see that Jesus is my God and he actually did it. I mean, it kind of helps when you get to see Jesus rise up into the sky and go to, I mean, that, that kind of helped probably too for them. But, but the point is, is that we have the Holy Spirit. We have the Word of God. We have incredible teachings. We have more access to the Word of God today than at any other time in all of history. I mean, it used to be something to say, well, you've probably got 10 or 12 Bibles in your house. Well, now today you've got like 300 on your phone. I mean, every possible imaginable translation, every language that you could possibly imagine is right there. And are you reading it? Are you taking it in? Are you running to the Scriptures like you should be running to the tomb? Waking up in the morning and, and running to that and saying, Jesus, I, are, are you here this morning? Jesus, are you here this morning? Oh, man, I can't wait to read your scripture and just, just learn more about you. It's the tomb. Do we still run to the tomb? If you have your Bibles, turn it over real quick to John chapter 3, verse 16. Probably the most, one of the most popular Bible verses up there. Verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Move on in verse 17, it says, For God did not send his Son into the world 
to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. And he who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So again, as we go back to verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world. And we've talked about this before. And he prayed that you'd see somebody would be sitting there with a John 3, 16, you know, little thing. And, and so we've all heard this verse before. But do you realize the entire Holy Week was based on this? That God so loved you. You. He just He just loves us. And again, I don't know why he loves us so much, but he does. A couple months ago, we talked about God is love. Remember, it wasn't just that it was a, a characteristic. It wasn't just that it was a, a feeling that he felt that day towards you. It was the fact that the, he very, that he is love. It is him. I mean, it's just, he just, that's who he is. Well, then some people will say, well, then how can, how can he send some people? How can some people go to hell then? It's because of his love. He's just perfect in everything that he does. He's perfect in his justice. He's perfect in his calling. He's perfect in how he cares for us. God is love. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You say, well, is there a value upon my life? Is there a value to who I am? Well, there's a value. It may not be in, in a cash price where I can you know, pay some money for you. Although that happens in our world today. But your value right now, each one of you, was Jesus. God said, I, I love, I love you so much. I love you so much this morning, Joshua. That God said, I'm going to give my son for you. That I'm going to allow him to go to the cross and die because I just love you. That whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And he looks at you, Joshua, and says that, man, all I'm asking is that you believe in him. And not just to believe like, oh, Jesus existed. We all kind of know that, right? I mean, we see it in scripture. We see some stuff and some crazy people talk. Hey, Jesus existed. All right, that's, that's fine. It's not that. Do you believe in your heart 100% that he went to the cross, he lived a sinless life, he died for you, and that three days later, he rose again from the grave. Do you believe that? See, that's the requirement. That's the that believe in him. That's the belief in him. It's not that you just have some kind of knowledge that he existed. It's not a worldly knowledge there. There has to be some kind of faith that kicks in into your life. There has to be some kind of application where you're willing to say, I'm willing to step all in on this. And maybe that's you today. As we prayed at the very beginning, I said, there might be some here that don't have a relationship with Christ. There might be some here today that say, I have a relationship with Christ, but Kevin, today I'm telling you, I, I, I've just been drifting a little bit. Or maybe I've drifted a lot and I'm starting to come back and I, I think I'm a good person. Again, a good person is not enough to get you to heaven. Remember, Christ had to live a sinless life to be accepted as that sacrifice. Where God looked at it and said, that's the sacrifice that I'll take because Jesus was sinless. Are you today willing to say, Kevin, I'm, I'm stepping into the boat and I'm 100% in? I know the things that I've done and you say, well, Kevin, man, I, I've sinned. Well, the good news is we've all sinned. 
Okay, all of us in this room are not going to look at you any different and say, "Well, dude, I can't believe that person is a sinner." We all are sinners. All of us in this room have had to make or have to make a decision on whether we're going to allow Christ to be the one who who comes and is my intercessory to say, "Look, God, this is my child. This is my this is mine." And then God will look at you and say, "Yes, please come inside." It's only through Christ. Why is there an empty tomb? It's because of that. It's an empty tomb because without Jesus rising from the dead, when we have a dead Savior, and we have no faith, and we're not Christians, we're just a group of people inside of a building, reading a worthless book, praying to a God that doesn't exist. But that's not us today. Is that you today? Are you the one that's supposed to accept Jesus as your Savior? Thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.